Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, a new podcast bringing you news, views and rapid speculation about all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at some of the big news stories from around the league, talking about some of the best and worst games from week one, and then looking forward to the games of week two this NFL season. Right, so there's been a series of injuries this week, uh, you know, making the moral question of whether it's acceptable to watch NFL, considering the damage it does to its participants, even more relevant. Uh, what do you make of the Dez Bryant foot injury, Connor? Jesus, uh, that's a very nice and upbeat way to start yeah. uh, how crushing it is to watch this sport. Uh, yeah, no, the Dez Bryant injury is obviously quite going to be quite a problem for, for, for the Cowboys moving forward. Like, he is by a considerable distance their best receiver and it especially hurts when a guy just gets paid and then goes down immediately afterwards but like they say it's, it's it's an injury in the foot it's crushing a lot of people's fantasy dreams but like in the space of four weeks they can come back and they can make a run at the last 12 or 13 weeks like I I don't see it being something that's going to keep them out uh, like if anything the kind of cluster <laughs> that is their backfield is going to be a bigger issue than Des Bryant missing three weeks yeah. And Harry, what do you think of Tony Romo if he hasn't got Dez as his outlet? Well, this is, this is a problem for Romo because he showed some nice connection with Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams. But they've only got, I think, four or five, no, I think four healthy wide receivers on the roster now. And Devin Street did not look impressive um, when he was in that game. So they don't have anyone who can stretch the field to create space in that running game. So that's going to put more pressure now on the running backs as a result of that. So there's a loss, or it's not just a loss of, of Des Bryant, who I think is actually moved to short-term IR, so might be out for more than four to six weeks now. It could be eight weeks before he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna, they're going to have to change the game plan. They're going to find themselves, I think, leaning an awful lot more now on Joseph Randall and Darren McFadden to get things done. Lance Dunbar, I think, is going to be the big, the guy who's going to profit from this, the, the, pa- the pass-catching back. Because you're going to see a lot more of those short routes, a lot more of those kind of dump-offs there. So I think they're going to have to adapt to this, and it's going to be a bit. It's going to be a big change for the way Dallas, the way Dallas plays. Yeah, come on, Christine Michael. Yeah, <laughs> could be, could be. Yeah. Okay, so then we'll move on to the injury closest to my heart, which is Josh McCown. <laughs> what do we make of Josh McCown's heroics or idiocy, Ian? Uh, I thought it was an incredibly stupid play. I mean, like, I just think that, like. If you're going to make that play, you just have to get your head down as quick as possible, that close to the fucking like the end zone. I just think so. But I mean, it's probably a good thing overall. I think Manzel looked quite good when he came on. I think he looks like he's matured a little bit. I think he settled into the offense as well, and he's finding his targets a bit better. Like he threw some unbelievable passes the other night, and he looks great on the rush. So I don't think that that's as big a loss for the Browns as. Um, you know, initially, you know, suspected or whatever, because I think Manziel might finally be settling down. Having said that, that was against the Jets, but uh, I, uh, so, you know, who knows? But I think, like, probably a good thing overall to get Manziel, you know, warmed up early on in the season. I mean, how long are we talking about for McCown in terms of how, how long is he inactive? He's in the protocol. There's no, there's no way to tell, depending on how bad the concussion is. Okay, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, no, I don't think it's. I, I mean, it's uh, like, what do you think? Do you do, like? How did you think Manziel sat down, like bedded down in the game? I am in the weird position where I'm agreeing with Skip Bayless and Andrew uh, Stephen A. Smith in that I do think he was actually okay, but I think he has a shit receivers around him doing nothing, and I think that he has. 
no run game, and the O-line did not look great once McCann went off. And I don't know what he's going to do because he's got nothing. He's Basically, everything's on him. I don't know if that's a good place for a... Yeah, everything's on him. And, he's and for, basically a rookie. For, for me as well, like, I, but, I, you know, I, he did a lot to get out of some awful situations and avoid sacks and get a few yards on the run. Um, like, situations where he almost definitely hadn't considered running because the O-line just collapsed around him. So, but he did, like, a pretty good job, I thought. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I would I'd be a little bit worried. It's the same for us. It's like Bradford, right? Bradford had 52 dropbacks in that game, most of them in the first half, right? And, like, he is going to get killed. And I think that, like, Manziel can't take on that pressure of also having to worry about his O-line collapsing around him every five minutes. So, but I think it's good. I think, I think like, you know, if he's ever going to get good, it's these situations that are going to improve him, you know? Yeah. Realistically, you know, step up in a step up in a tough spot. But, uh the one thing that concerned me was obviously the O-line play was his ball security was extremely poor during yeah. the game. So if he's going to be scrambling around a lot, he's got to get a lot, he's got to get better at holding onto the football because you know they're going to bring the pressure when they see that O-line is creaking. Yeah, and yeah. If he keeps taking those hits, keeps turning over the ball, he's going to he is going to get hurt. Mm. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this later when the when we talk about the match. But um, okay, another rookie quarterback or just after a rookie quarterback, Derek Carr. David Carr. Which one is it? Which is the one Derek. that's playing? Der- Derek Carr. David Carr is his older brother. Yeah, Derek Carr. Had it right the first time. He took an L slap. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, the sound went there. What? He said he, he took a slap in the Raiders game. Went off. Yeah. It was, uh, it was It's a big blow for the Raiders. Like, they didn't look they didn't look great, obviously, at the start. But they, they, was, they, they were getting, getting into a rhythm. They were a bit comfortable. And then Carr going off. If he's out for a while, that's a huge problem because Matt McGloin is atrocious and played <laughs> atrociously. Uh, they really, they really have no plan B there. Um, Carr's a good player. He's actually got weapons around him. The O line doesn't look great still, but still a bit better than last year. And the defense looks looks decent, although obviously losing Woodson on the back end is is a blow. But unless like unless he comes back, all this again, there was this weird every every year for the last year, there's been this bizarre kind of hype around the Raiders, say this is the year they're gonna all put it together. And it's not looking that way. It's, it looks like it's looking like it's gone wrong again. Yeah. I think yeah, I think as well, like one of the it things. It doesn't matter I, if I was, they've got, you know, good possession with I mean, I was very excited about the idea of Carr and Amari Cooper developing a relationship, and obviously that's not going to happen now for a while. Um <laughs> so that's upsetting. And like I think a lot of the hype yeah, I, okay. I agree with you insofar as there's been hype, but it's kind of almost like hipstery football fan hype about the Raiders. <laughs> like nobody actually thinks they're gonna be good. But like <laughs> but like there's a couple of exciting weapons there and like, yeah, it's just, it's a bit upsetting. All right. You know, as somebody who has a massive soft spot for the Raiders, it's a bit upsetting. It, it sucks yeah, the team in development got potential. It needs that time to gel and come together, lose one of the key components. Cause that sets, as you say, like that sets everything back a few weeks until a car is ready to play again. Yeah. Well, there is that slight plus side of at least there's less time car has to spend behind a porous O-line getting hammered. True. Yeah. You never know. Even if his brother got injured more regularly, he might still be in the league. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, well, that's what they reckon. Wasn't he the most sacked quarterback ever? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, sad time, sad time. Him and Tim Couch, I think, were the two worst. Mm. <laughs> Keeping good company. Keeping good company there. <laughs> mm. Oh, my. But, yeah, just dumpster fire keeps on burning. Sad times for the Raiders. And a perennial, this will be his year guy, Andre Ellington. Doesn't look like this is going to be his year. 
What do you make? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit unfortunate for them. I must say, like the offense looked fantastic. They were firing on all cylinders, and it seemed like the rookie that they brought in behind Ellington worked quite well in the position. Like they did, they did their job on Sunday. But uh, yeah, it, it is unfortunate for a player who keeps threatening to break out and then just doesn't ever actually deliver. Um, also, like crushing, crushing everyone's RB three dreams in fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Least you Ellington last year. Did you, have you been paying any particular attention to him this year? Um, I, I haven't actually. I'm on a few fancy teams this year, but I, I, I've always been very high on Ellington. Uh, just I think his potential is incredible. But if he keeps getting injured like this, you know, it, it's not going to go anywhere, and it's a tough spot for for Arizona. Uh, David Johnson has been keeping an eye on through training camp. Didn't actually run the ball, but showed some sense as a pass catcher. Uh, if he can't settle in for that role now as a lead back, it's it's Chris Johnson who's going to be leading the backfield for Arizona. And that is not a good... At this stage, at this stage, that is not a good look for anyone. Yeah. Uh, So it is a minor PCL strain. So he might be back in a week or two. But um, if Arizona, like, they've got got good receivers, they've got fast guys, they still do need that threat of the running game to keep it going. If they don't have that, it it does become a problem for Carson Palmer. And you're going to see him get sacked a lot behind an O-line that has got a lot of injuries at the moment. Yeah, and Ian, what do you think of uh, CJ two yards per carry chances in Arizona? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I mean, I you know, possibly from just like a nostalgic fantasy perspective, always liked the guy, uh, always wanted him to do well. I think I, I I don't know, we'll see what happens, but um, he did not have a great season last year, and I actually really thought that like he would bet into that Jets offense, but um, I just think like. I don't know. It, it's it, you know, it could be his you know salvation or whatever. But we'll, we'll we'll just we'll see. I didn't see enough of the Cardinals game to be honest, um, to make much of a comment about their offense. But uh, I can't see him being the answer. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and Randy Gregory, guys, another big hit for some people. What do we think of that? I'll say, uh, throw that to Harry there. Yeah, sure. Uh, like Gregory. Uh, it's, it's actually a shame for the Cowboys. He showed some real promise early on. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He did look a bit overmatched against some of the larger uh, larger defensive tackles. But he's got a good instinct getting through there. And it is frustrating when you see a guy like that has got the potential to develop into that. And a guy who they were also hoping would, would use that time to grow while Greg Hardy is suspended. Just go down uh, on what looked like, to be fair, a, a fairly innocuous looking play. So it is. It is. It isn't. It isn't a disaster for the Cowboys. They do still have other options there, but it is a. It's a problem in terms of again. It was, this was a guy who was plugging the gap for somebody who was already suspended. You lose that guy. You lose that development time. You lose that um, speed off the edge that he has. And the it, it, you know it's not going to be fatal to the Cowboys' season, but it is just frustrating seeing somebody again show those flashes of potential and then just so quickly get knocked out of it. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Kraken's only out now for four games. They reduced his suspension, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's it's realistically, it's only another three games they have to go without someone to take that spot over. But yeah, like I'm not sure their their next couple of games. Like they've got the Eagles next, and I think they've got one or two other kind of tough ones. So they're ones that they'd like to have that extra bit of rush on. But um, but like it's not it's not a season ender. Yeah. And while you're there, Connor, what do you make of the Woodson injury? Woodson industry. Uh, who? <laughs> Charles Woodson. 
Oh, is he still playing? Yeah. Well, he's not anymore. He <laughs> <laughs> was last week. Maybe we both yeah. the Connor then. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Yeah, no, no. Like, it's unfortunate. But yeah, like, dude's ancient. Get him off the field. The Raiders have nobody else. You know? They've got, they've got like, to go like if, club, so. if we're going to open our injury section talking about how it's worrying about whether or not it's okay to watch this game when guys are getting injured, like, why do we have people's grandparents still playing football? <laughs> yeah. Stuck. Like, also, why am I still delighted that uh, Tyrell Suggs is dead? Like, I mean, like, <laughs> like, you know, the moral quandary of actually wanting some people to get injured. <laughs> well, I was going to leave Suggs till the end so we could all have a proper bitch fest, but that, it seems like we can wrap it up with Suggs now. How much Schadenfreude did you feel when he went out, Ian? Tell us about that. Oh, so much. So much Schadenfreude. How dare he tackle my quarterback? I mean, that was... Uh, <laughs> look, I, I don't know. Like, he seems to be one of those guys who, um, uh, you know, could seriously damage somebody out there. And I'm kind of glad he's out for the season, to be perfectly honest. Um, I thought that that tackle in particular um, was... I mean... Like there's been there was some rough tackles in week one. Like there were some really rough tackles, including a couple on Manzel and a couple on Kaepernick that were just like really bad, right? But like I don't know. I, I just think like there should be there is an unofficial rule about the preseason and I just feel I have limited sympathy for the guy, you know? Um it's always a shame when a young guy gets put out for the season, but like I, I quite a lot of Schadenfreude is the answer to your question. And Harry, what do you make of the Terrell Suggs injury? Well, yeah, I, I'm also feeling the Schadenfreude. I think Terrell Suggs sort of flew under the radar for a lot of people. He was marginally less objectionable than Ray Lewis. Yeah. And uh, now Ray Lewis is gone. I think we can direct one of our, our, our Ravens ire at him. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, he's a dirty player. I, I agree with Ian about the hit on Sam Bradford in the preseason was just, like, it was just yeah. stupid. Uh, he's he's a good player. Um, but the thing is, I actually, I, I don't even think it's going to hurt the Ravens that much, bizarrely. I think it's actually got good other players outside the linebacker. Um so, from the perspective of the Ravens, might still be better than the Steelers, which I'm okay with, because fuck the Steelers. Um, but also, fuck Terrell Suggs. I'm perfectly happy with that confluence of events for him to get hurt, and the team not actually to be hurt that much. Yeah. And Connor, what do you, what do you make of the Terrell Suggs injury? Uh, don't like the guy, but I was desperately hoping that they'd beat the Broncos. Uh, and in a close game, it would have been nice to see him play the whole thing out and maybe deliver a couple of these schadenfreude hits that you're all talking about to a divisional rival to my Chiefs. Yeah. Um, so we move on to the game reviews. Uh, okay, so now we're going to have a little look at some of the games from week one. Uh, obviously, if we did them all, you'd be listening to us for hours, so that seems like a terrible idea. So we're just going to pick a few ones that we thought stood out and can I go into a bit more depth on those. Uh, so some good, some bad, some interesting. Um, we'll kick off with the probably the biggest upset i'd say of the of the entire week that would be the bills colts game bills took out the colts 27 to 14 and i'm pretty sure that the colts didn't manage to score until quite late on in that game full stop uh I think a lot of people here probably lost some money on their bets on the weekend from it as well. But uh, we'll fire it over to, to Harry first. What were your takeaways from this game? What was it that Rex Ryan has done, that magical genie of dive, of defense? I, th- I think the first thing is, sorry to talk to takeaways, I think Paddy Power took away all my money on that one, which was uh, <laughs> somewhat unfortunate. But uh, I've got to say the Bills looked incredible. I mean, we knew they had a talented defense from last year, and Rex Ryan, for all of his... Uh, failings with the Jets is is an incredible defensive-minded coach. 
And to shut down the Indianapolis Colts in the way they did, shut down one of the most explosive offenses in the league, it, it was something to see. Andrew Luck couldn't get anything going. Like you said, we didn't see anything uh, scored I think, until midway through the third quarter that they were actually able to even get points on the board. And it, it was across the board. The running game didn't get any traction. Frank Gore obviously, obviously got a hurt, um, minor injury late on, but he, he wasn't getting anywhere. He was averaging less than four yards a carry. Luck couldn't get receivers open. He was forcing throws. He was under pressure the whole time. It was just an incredible display of how to take away a team's weapons. And even a guy as good as Andrew Luck couldn't overcome that. And perhaps his receiving core is, it's got a lot of, there's a lot of receivers or any of them standouts. I don't know. That could certainly be an aspect, but the bills themselves, when they got into offense, they got things going. Um, Sean McCoy didn't look great, but Carlos Williams, uh, Carlos Williams, I think it is the young running back looked incredible. Uh, got, a, got himself a touchdown as well. Tyron Taylor making plays with his legs, finding Percy Harvin on deep throws. That was, didn't think we'd ever yeah. see that from a, a Bills quarterback, let alone Tyron Taylor. Just really <laughs> impressive. He looked great. He, he looked so good. Like he, he had, and he had all day in the pocket as well. When he didn't have to like bootleg, he was like all day in the pocket. The offensive line looked great. Like So are we looking at here, is, is, is this a one-off? Is this the Bills are outstanding or is this some kind of blueprint that other teams can copy to tackle the, the Colts? As, as a Patriots fan, I really hope it's a one-off from the Bills anyway. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know if... I think they've done... I don't know about a blueprint, because I think, I think the Bills are, I think, just uniquely good on defense. I think they've got a coach who's good at it. I think every team's going to try to do this, but I think they're going to struggle to be able to generate pressure and take away the offensive weapons in the same way, the same way that the Bills were able to do. I mean, you've okay. got a guy like Marcel Darius coming up the middle at you. The corners are very underrated there, so just, I don't enough. know if other teams will be able to do it against the Colts. Yeah, I also think that perhaps the Colts were a team that were uniquely um, susceptible to the Bills' style of defense, in that they have very solid receivers, but they haven't got any one receiver that I think can get separation. So I think if you're the Bills, um, obviously their defensive line is just insane, probably the best D line in the league. But I think if you get them on one-on-one with their their defensive backs, I think if you have a decent receiver core, you can probably beat them if you can get the ball out quick and to someone who can get separation. Okay, fair enough. So basically the blueprint to beat the Colts is have one of the top defenses in the league. Powerful work, guys. Powerful work. Okay, let's move on to the second game we're going to look at. The uh, Many people shout for the first overall pick next year. The Bears uh, took on many people's pick for the Super Bowl, the Packers. And it did not seem like there was that much of a distance between the two of them. Um, sure, we'll start We'll start off with uh, with Ian on this one. What were your takeaways from the Bears okay. and Packers game? Uh, 23-31 was the final score. To be fair, I didn't see a huge amount of this game. Okay, I broke my one cardinal rule like of watching the NFL, which is stop watching what? fucking Red Zone because I fair always enough. miss. I always miss a huge amount. So you might want to go to someone else. I will say, <laughs> um, I will say that Jones, uh, what's his name, um, the Packers wide receiver. Oh, uh, James Jones. Is it? He looked absolutely amazing, and like he had one of the top five catches of the week for that touchdown. It was unbelievable, and like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't think the Bears were up to much. I know Harry, like Harry in particular, definitely thought that the Bears looked a lot better than he thought they would. I probably didn't see enough to judge them properly, to be perfectly honest. But like um, the fact that Alshon Jeffrey was fit, that was a big, big plus for the Bears. It's good that he's not going to miss any game time because him and Cutler need to 
like develop that relationship because it, it, they'd slipped out massively last year. They're obviously famous. They're like there's a famous bromance between the two guys, but they couldn't find each other for shit last season. And um, <laughs> it's good. It's good for them to have him back. That undoubtedly, um, you know, because they, they, they have a quite deep, quite a deep receiving core, don't they? They have like Eddie Royal and whatever. But it's great that they have their 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 you know their first string wide receiver. Uh, fit for the first game and to make some sort of an impact there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so spoke of Jay Cutler overperforming where people thought. Uh, we'll, we'll swing over to, to David now. What were your takeaways from this? Well, like, I think it was closer on the scoreboard. I think the Bears played pretty well, but, like, I still wouldn't think the Bears are going to be that good over the season. Like, I feel like Jay Cutler is still too unreliable like even within the game I thought he made some good throws did some stuff like I didn't think I didn't think he was like yeah Jay Cutler top QB money definitely can see why they gave him that um and like I don't know I just I don't see I think even when the Bears are winning I was like I think I felt like I saw some some people on on Twitter being like oh um the Bears are winning but like the Packers are obviously going to win this at some point and then that just happened so I don't know like I think like I think Rogers is still an absolute freak of nature. I think he's like, was it? He's gotten something like three times as many touchdowns as interceptions, or something or something like in something insane. Oh, like, I think yeah, I think I saw that stat. I think it's he's got four times it, and the closest person to him has less than three times. Jesus. Yeah. Like he's just like so. I, I don't know. I think over the season we'll see. I think this. I think everyone can get themselves up for one game, especially against their rivals. Um, yeah. Especially, especially since the Bears this year are trying to stop the Packers going uh, uh, point five on the record. So like the yeah, it, they're two, they're one game away now from tying the Bears in the head to head. So I think like you can get yourself up for that game. I don't know if the Bears can keep it up for the whole season. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I give it to you mean. I, I'd be inclined to disagree a little bit. I actually was quite impressed with him as well from the Bears. I think actually Adam Gates is doing something quite similar to what he did last year in Denver. Uh, with the worst quarterback uh, here, obviously in Denver. Um, I think I don't even got a lot of credit there, but I think what they're doing is the Bears are playing within their limitations. They were never going to beat the Packers, but relying heavily on Matt Forte, getting him involved in the passing game, short, simple stuff. And I think it's working for them. I think it's going to be enough for them to beat teams that they lost to last year when Cutler was just bombing it down the field desperately. So I think it's encouraging that they seem to be aware of what they can actually do. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to be a great team, but I think they're, they're definitely moving up based on this performance. I think it was a smart game, and I think they did the best they could have done with what they have available to them versus what is probably the best team in the NFL at the moment. Fair enough. Do we do we still think that the Bears are going to come bottom of that division? Given it's well, Packers, pa- Packers, Lions, Vikings, Bears. Vikings looked awful, so maybe not. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So maybe maybe the Vikings return to being the whipping boys of that division. Uh, well, I, perfect. Gonna... I think a, there's no way a, AD has as, as bad a game as he does yesterday every week. But to be fair, like that was Eddie a game where off. he played he he played a single linebacker and couldn't get yardage. Like I don't know. Right, we're going to move on to the next game, uh, one that's very close to my heart. Uh, the Chiefs go down to go down to the Texans and uh, give them a bit of a kicking. Uh, I must say it was nice to see, especially after everyone getting pumped up after hard knocks, to just see what a clusterfuck the Texans really are. I, I've, I've got a lot to say about this, but I'll swing it over to you guys first. So we'll start with Harry on this one. Yeah, no, really impressed by, really impressed by Kansas City. Um, 
particularly uh, Alex Smith looks like he's playing with much more confidence. He's not afraid to throw the ball down. He knows he's got weapons. Kelsey looks incredible. Macklin's betting in well. Uh, the run game was not as good as I thought it was going to be, but um, I suppose against the Texans D line, that's going to be quite difficult. It was it was a it was just a really good performance. I think uh, Houston are probably regretting their uh, regretting their quarterback decisions right about now based on based on that game anyway. <laughs> God, yeah. When you win a quarterback battle and survive less than an entire game, something went wrong in the selection process. Pretty, pretty desperate stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. Well, fire on, Ian. What about yourself? Did you see much of this, or I didn't see a huge amount of it. I saw what makes some big plays, but that was about it. Like it's very, uh, you know, I watched a bit of Hard Knocks, and you know. I think that they were really desperate to make it look like they're not like a two-man team with Foster and Watt, but like Watt was the only defensive player making fucking plays. Like, so I, I think like it should get a little bit better when Foster gets back. But when you have that fight between Mallet and Hoyer for your starting quarterback, which Bill O'Brien was like, I want to prove that these guys are you know actually top quarterbacks. You know, there's they get so much shit in the press. Blah 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 blah. It's like now nah, there's kind of a reason why people think that. Like, it's because <laughs> they're not very good. Like, so I think that they're going to regret maybe not um, picking up another option at QB. We'll see what happens. But uh, Foster is back when? I, I what's his return looking like? It's uh, it's currently listed as being any time between week three and week five, so they're not expecting him to be out for that long at all. Uh, he's out, he's fully practicing, I believe, with the squad at the moment, but they're going to hold him out for the next week anyway as a precautionary measure. Okay, um, yeah, it, it should get a little bit better, but I can't see their season getting a whole lot better when even when he gets back. So. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, what about yourself, Dave? Well, I think we just saw the, the limits to the Brian Hoyer game as a person who's intimately acquainted with the limits of Brian Hoyer. If, <laughs> if you force him to make long throws, he just can't do it. So I think the like the Chiefs did very well to shut down the run game and then to force Hoyer to make long throws out of the pocket, and he just can't. He's just That's not his game. I think maybe Mallet did a bit better because he's got a bit more of an arm and he's maybe better at forcing things into tight windows, but Hoyer can't. And I think... I I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think if you scheme around him, he can be an okay quarterback. I just don't think the Texans are going to be able to do that. And he probably... I think he's probably lost the the number one spot now. Yeah, that's my one takeaway from this as well. It was just... uh, There was a lot of people blowing up going, oh my God, the world is now saved. Mallet looks amazing. Like, Texans fans, don't get too hyped up for the entire two and a half quarters of the game. It was just prevent defense. No one cared. He wasn't throwing against the same scenarios as as, uh, Hoyer was. Um, But that said, he did have a much stronger arm. I think you're right. I think he could probably give him a bit bit more of a vertical threat than than possibly Hoyer could. But uh, yeah, I'm happy with that result. Go Chiefs. Woo! we're going to go on to the to the game that uh, I think most of us stayed up last night until God knows what time o'clock to watch. Um, an excellent, excellent, uh, very entertaining and uh, financially crushing game. Uh, the Eagles took on the Falcons and uh, narrowly lost 24-27, I believe it was. Uh, so we're going to swing it to, uh, to Ian for this one. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, well, first things first, I guess, like, the roof isn't on fire quite just yet, and you wouldn't know that from listening to a lot of Eagles fans this morning. Like, I was listening to some radio there, some, like, 
local station in Philadelphia and the vitriol against Chip Kelly already in the season is actually unbelievable. Um, having said that, there was a lot of tactical ineptitude. I mean, like, for me, it was a question of, like, we had basically no vertical threat whatsoever throughout the, like, until the second half, right? Until the third quarter where we staged that mm. quasi comeback, right? Um, no vertical threat. A large problem with that being that for some reason we just keep dumping off to Murray uh, like in scat plays for like no reason at all in our own half. So like Murray just doesn't like Murray rushed for nine yards last night. Nine yards like that is appalling for a guy who led the league last season. Um, I mean, it, it is just, it's ridiculous. And the fact that he wasn't given a few early touches, first of all, and the, we went three and out in the first series, dumping off to Murray and throwing a couple to Matthews, I think. And like, it just doesn't make any sense that you don't start, you, you don't throw in a few running plays to warm up your power back when you have a power back like DeMarco Murray. That was like, yeah, that was a huge problem anyway for me. Um Sproles was probably the only player who I thought had a consistently great game. Um, when he started doing what we were trying to do with Murray in the first half, Sproles looked great. Having said that, we had kept making Sproles run in situations where we definitely should have been making Murray run, but Sproles made the most of it and actually had a great game. All around for everyone else, it was a mixed bag. Like Even the players who were getting a lot of praise this morning, like Kiko Alonso, had a very, very mixed game. Like Alonso made that unbelievable catch, but he also coughed up an unbelievable penalty for like a ridiculous penalty for us that cost us a first down and cost us, uh, um, uh, cost us big in the, in the fourth quarter, I think. So it, there seems to be a slight lack of leadership and a slight lack of... Um, uh, concentration. There was a huge amount of penalties on that 90-yard drive where uh, Bradford went. Uh, where did? Where was it? Yeah, on that touchdown drive, Bradford went nine for ten for 91 yards, and we coughed up like eight penalties or something on the drive. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot of holding on your center, wasn't there? Yeah, uh, Kelsey. Yeah, a huge amount of that, right? And like, yeah, it, it just. Uh, it's just a, it's a lack of concentration. I, I don't think, you know, I, I, Chip won't be happy with that. That's not like, uh, you know, that's something that I think he's going to chew them out for. Right? It's something that has to be um, something that has to be fixed for next week, uh, basically. But the positives, I guess, were that Matthews, apart from that ridiculously shit attempt at a catch in the last play of the game, um, <laughs> Matthews looked very good, but again, a mixed bag. Aguilar was atrocious, um, absolutely terrible. Uh, Sproles, for me, is the only standout offensive player. Um, I think, yeah, Bradford was terrible in the first half, um, but like... We just didn't look to impose ourselves with power running at all, which is ridiculous, really, when you think about it for the Eagles, that we couldn't establish a running game. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful because some of the stuff looked good. Like, some of the stuff, like, like Matthews looked really good when he bedded down a bit. But, like, I think, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be improved on, uh, a lot of concentration def de deficiencies um, that yeah. need to be fixed, basically. Fair enough. Now, I did I did take, when I was watching this myself, I was very impressed with, with uh, the Eagles in the second half. They were kind of powering through great offense in the second half. But to be honest, a lot of it to me, and I'll, I'll swing over to Harry on this now, a lot of it seemed to me like the Falcons 
just took their foot off the gas and just started to break down in traditional Falcons fashion. Great first half from them and then started to shit the bed. Uh, Harry, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's probably a fair assessment. I think the Eagles in the second half in particular started going side to side a lot more on the offense and sort of trying to tire, tire the, uh, the Falcons out, run a bit of no huddle, and it, and it did seem to work. But the problem, was, I think, for the Falcons, you know, psychologically, I think once they got ahead, particularly in the third quarter, they got way too comfortable in that position. And, yeah, there was just a lack of um, – they just they could have locked the game down at that point, and they didn't. Uh, Philadelphia's mm. play calling, as Zine said, absolutely mystifying for a large part of the game. And I don't even necessarily think that improved that much in the second half. They were still, you know, uh, still sending Murray out on wide runs and they'd scroll through the middle mm. and no real uh, stretching of the play. But the Falcons just sort of were happy to sit back and let them do it and then got tired. Uh, so, like, Philadelphia obviously could have won the game, the decision not to go for it on the on the fourth down and that missed field goal. Uh, so there's yeah. definitely, like, I think the weird thing of looking at that game, even though the Eagles lost, I think there's more positives for the Eagles to take away from that. It's like you fix those um, those penalties, those lapses. You fix those, um, you know, you, fi- you fix those problems with the initial play calling that Ian's back. <clears throat> Whereas for the Falcons, it's like, well, is this as good as the Falcons can play on defense? In particular, like, might, it might well be. And they were lucky mm. to get that game ceiling pick. It was Matthews made a ha- absolute hames of catching the ball. So <laughs> I, I would say that, yeah, I, if I was a Falcons fan, despite the win, I would be more worried than if I was an Eagles fan because I think that that was the Eagles performing mm. really badly and the Falcons performing. Uh, and close r- to remember, season. was it four or five games at the start of last season that we came back in the third and fourth quarter to win. It was like a ridiculous run of games, a streak where we kept going down by like 20 points and then coming back. Like, I, I, to me, yeah. I, I, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a serious question. Like, it's a question about Chip Kelly. Is that can he get his team into the mindset to go out and dominate a game from the get-go? Or does he need the halftime um, locker room chat to get everyone kind of going? And that's worrying because... We're going to play an entertaining brand of football. That's fine. But are we going to win games that we should be winning? Um, I don't know is the answer. Um, <laughs> we need to, we need to like, um, I, I think we just need to like grab control of the games a bit earlier. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, uh, we're going to move on to the to the other side of the coin now, the, 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 the sad face games. Uh, I suppose we'll start with the Factory of Sadness and one of their greatest supporters. Uh, the Browns took on the Jets and lost 10-31. to 31. And football uh, lost. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> and football lost quite heavily. Uh, so Dave, as a resident Browns fan, uh, please tell us what positives you found in this game. Um, actually, I have... Years and years of supporting the Browns have made me be able to take <laughs> positives out of almost anything. So um, I like it. We got something positive. Yeah. Um, I actually think the game was closer than the scoreline suggests. I think basically the Jets, in any situation where there was a marginal thing that could go the Jets' way, it went the Jets' way. And anything that could have gone against the Browns went against the Browns, is how I kind of look at it. I think if you look at, like, t- we dominated time of possession in the first half. I was very happy with that. But, of course, with two minutes left, we give up a touchdown in a two-minute drill to win the half. So that was just insane. Like we had like, we, I don't think we had a 19 minutes in the first half time possession or something something ridiculous. And that was kind of like, the, if we'd gone in and winning at the half, I think it would have been a completely different thing. I also think had McCown stayed in, like I think Manziel was good when he came on. I think he made some good throws. But I felt like um, 
it seemed a lot more hurried. It seemed a lot more rushed. And it seemed as well like the Jets could just be like, we're just going to blitz Manziel every game. Every down we're going to blitz Manziel. And he couldn't necessarily get around that. Whereas when McCown was out, I felt they had to kind of worry a bit more that he could, he could, that he could do more. Uh, he's just more comfortable, I think, in the offense. I think there was more plays that they could run. The playbook was very constricted when Manziel came on. I think that really limited us as well. Um, Do you think that's also um, a factor of the fact that he's kind of a shorter quarterback and if they can start pushing the pocket towards him, he can't see over and they can limit him a lot stronger than they could if he was a slightly taller quarterback? Like I know there's not a huge amount between the two, but uh, but but uh, Johnny Football is, is the shorter of the pair. Yeah, it could be that. I think Johnny's also, um, his footwork is not as good as McCown's. Like I think if you get him off his spot, it, it's, it's, it's harder for him to make throws. He kind of has to go on the run then. Um, so when the pocket collapses, I think he's he's still not where he's completely comfortable, where he can just set his feet and throw it. Okay, fair enough. Um, in terms of the Jets, though, um, like Fitzmagic was looking okay. You know, you could t- really tell he went to Harvard, made some educated throws. <laughs> uh, well, like, you know, oh God! The, the the Jets' D is absolutely disgusting. Like the the Cromarty injury apparently is not that bad, but um. Like Revis is just insane. Their their front five is ridiculous. Like it's just like it's horrible. So some positives to take out of it. Do we know is uh, is Johnny Football starting next week, or are we waiting on concussion protocol? Or he is tr- training with the ones as if he is going to start next week. But if McCowan is back, I would presume he is going to be in. Um, Austin Davies, we picked up on waivers, is not ready to start apparently, and I don't know if he would. I think he's going to be in. He's going to be the number two at the weekend against the Titans. Well, that'll that'll be an interesting one, seeing as it now takes us to the to the next game, I suppose. Uh, the battle of the first and second overall picks, the Bucks versus the Tennessee Titans, uh, a game of two very very different uh, outcomes, I'd say, for the teams. Uh, let's swing it over to to Harry here to have a quick chat about this. What did you make of it, Harry? Was it fun? Uh, it was. It was. I don't like Jameis Winston, so I had fun. Um, from that perspective, is it, it Jameis or James? Maybe it's Is it? I don't, I don't know. know. I have no idea. I think it might let's be just James, call him actually. Crab Legs. Um, <laughs> that's a nicer thing to call him, I think. Um, There's a lot worse names. Yeah, like calling him. Like. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But uh, let, let's let, let's try not to get sued in the first podcast. Um, <laughs> podcast one yeah, lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, quite impressive. Yes. One person, one person listened to it. Uh, Winston's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, he says one night googling, uh, googling Winston's name. But uh, no, it was. I couldn't believe how. I mean, the Bucks were bad last year, but this was this was something else. And it wasn't just obviously their offensive struggles. They got no pass rush against uh, relatively weak Titans, off Titans, uh, Titans offensive line. They could not cover guys like Kendall Wright and Harry Douglas. It was it was nightmarish for them. And Mariota Mariota played well. Um, he made some nice throws. Didn't did, you know? He wasn't overstretched. He looked very, very comfortable in the offense, uh, doing things like just it was straightforward. It was again against a very soft secondary. But also, what I liked about him that he gave them that they didn't have before was Bishop Sankey had a really good game, despite the fact that he's still not that good, because Mariota had the Titans on their sorry had the Bucks on their heels constantly watching for throws, watching for scrambles. I think he only actually scrambled himself twice, but they were constantly doing that read option threat, and the Bucks looked completely taken aback by it. So the concern for the Bucks isn't just that, you know, they that their offense looked 
horrible at Safari and Jenkins excluded, who had quite a nice game. There's the defense just has no leadership. It had like I know Quan Alexander, the middle linebacker, is is a, is a rookie, and he's the one calling in all the plays. They just looked disorganized. They looked like they just couldn't deal with any kind of deception, any kind of option play, any kind of even play action. Just had them absolutely rocking, and that is that is really, really, really worrying for that team. So Buccaneers I mean, get the first overall pick next year. Yeah, uh, might well might well do, uh, but it's it is just a mess. I mean, you've got Gerald McCoy, one of the best defensive tackles in the game, and you can't get a pass rush. Like that's just yeah. that that's a really concerning, really concerning look. Fair enough, Ian, Dave. Any uh, any anything else to put into this? I saw well, very I don't think Mariota two games well, were. They sub him off. Why would he sub him off if he was so good? Well, it doesn't matter. It was a bad joke. Bad joke. Don't worry. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. To be honest, like I'm not sure if you're going to get anything worse than the educated uh, throws joke earlier. Um, what about <laughs> yeah. yourself, Ian? Yeah, I, I saw very little of these two games. I'm not going to lie. So, <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I saw a little bit more of the Skins Dolphins game, but very little of mm. these two, to be honest. So, yeah, next ah, week, fair next week, no more red zone free. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Well, that works, Grant, because we're going to move on to our final bad game of week one that we're going to discuss. The Washington football team took on the Dolphins in what should have been a ginormous blowout, uh, but somehow ended up being a one-score game. <laughs> uh, so, what did what did you make of this? Me personally, I'm just uh, I, I the ja- the Jackson injury is a big thing for the. Redskins, I think, um, I mean, it's schadenfreude, but like, I'm, you know, kind of happy he's injured, but, uh, <laughs> uh, as God, an and, fan. and they, and they, and they say Philadelphia fans aren't the worst. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Kirk, Kirk Cousins looked pretty good for the little bit I, I, I saw of the game. Um, uh, there was one very funny thing, which is that, uh, not related to the actual game itself, but the, uh. So when you are a season ticket holder with an NFL team, you get you have to pick up your like week one, week two tickets every week. And every week with the Redskins anyway, they have a themed ticket with a player on the ticket. Can you guess who their player for week one was? RG3. <laughs> it was RG3. So every season ticket oh, holder gosh. had to pitch up with a giant picture of RG3. <laughs> Oh, uh, sad times. I know, because Redskins, that's why. Um, but yeah, you might <laughs> want to swing to somebody else for the actual game. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Dave, what about yourself on this one? Well, just to put how badly the Dolphins played in perspective, um, the Redskins currently have RG3 as their scout team safety, right? And they mm-hmm. still found it hard to beat the team that actually made that decision. So that kind of shows <laughs> the Dolphins were. Um, this, the, the entire match was just insane. Like, it was just so bizarre. Like, um, was that, this is the one where there was that um, there was that fumble and it just kept getting re-fumbled for, like, 30 yards. Isn't that, isn't that this game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, it was fumbled by, like, four or five different people, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, it was people just... tried to scramble for it. Yeah, it was just like just it's such a bizarre, bizarre game. Um, Kirk, Kirk Cousins was okay. Um, I I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a he's a pretty mediocre quarterback. He's okay. Um, Tannehill, who I thought was really going to kick on this season, didn't really look that good at all. I was very surprised. It wasn't really for any reason either because the Washington D was kind of crap. So I don't know. I don't know. Everyone was just kind of. Incompetent and awful. It was just seemed to be like this confluence of 
Maybe maybe Washington is just cursed. Maybe that's just wherever anyone they touch, it just makes everything go wrong. Possibly, possibly. Maybe maybe fish can't defeat racism. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. We'll swing it over to, to, to Harry now. Now, what Harry, did you see much of this game? Like, what I've always been wondering, because I didn't see too much of it myself. Like, you've got Sue and you've got Wake. Why wasn't there more disruption from the from that uh, Dolphins defense? Uh, from what I saw of it, and this is weird, they Cousins was rolling out a lot. He was running a lot of bootlegs, and he wasn't spending a huge amount of time in the pocket. Uh, the Dolphins' pass rush, though, didn't look as good as I, I thought it did. Sue did get did get some good penetration on a couple of times, but couldn't couldn't finish moves. I think he only finished with one tackle. Yeah, like it, it was a bit of an odd one uh, from that perspective. But, the, but again, I think like Dave said, everyone was just playing way below what they could have been what they could have been doing. I think the two tight ends for both teams looked okay, and Freddie Morris had a decent game, but it was just it was just a mess. It was just a horrible, horrible game of football, and I think everybody sort of just got dragged down to everybody else's level when everyone around you is playing like absolute ass. Sometimes <laughs> you, just, you, you, just, you just fall into that trap yourself, and I mean, if you're in Damacon Sioux, you know, I guess you just don't need to play that well because it's the Redskins. Yeah. But yeah, it was, there was nothing... It wasn't that the Redskins' O-line played particularly well. It was just a horrible, messy game, and Cousins just didn't spend a lot of time hanging around in the pocket letting a pass rush come. Uh, but he can't he can't yeah. really follow the run either. It help him that much. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, like there's, there's a couple of other headlines from other games during the week, like Seattle got, losing their opener against against the Rams and whatnot. But uh, I think for for week one, that kind of covers some of the top and some of the bottom games that we've had. Uh, is there any last bits you guys want to add in on any of those? Uh, just to add in, just while we're on the topic, or where you mentioned it there, Russell Wilson got sacked six times. Wow, six. I didn't realize it was that many. Six times. It was un- like I mean, I watched most of that game, and uh, like they were not good. Uh, like Lynch as well, Marshawn Lynch, um, I thought, like... Um, didn't look like he was up to a whole amount. So, I mean, but then again, that Rams defense is just ridiculous. It's insane. And li- yeah. li- like literally insane. Apparently they're, they're quite eccentric human beings, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I guess we're going to go on and talk about next week games, but like, it's, it's, uh, it's not looking good for the Seahawks at the moment. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it might be time to pay Cam. Maybe it might be time to pay him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get him back in the building. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sure. Look, that's great, guys. Uh, we're going to swap across now and have a little look at next week's game. Pick uh, winners and losers for the ball uh, as quick as we can. And then we'll see how accurate or most likely inaccurate uh, we'll be with that uh, afterwards. So we'll, we'll swap over to that now. Yeah, so now we're just going to take a quick look at the uh, the games for the week ahead. Uh, going to give our calls, see where we agree, see where we disagree, and uh, see why why we disagree when we do. So first off, I guess we'll start with the with the Thursday Thursday night game. I'm going to give Connor the first call on this one because I think I know what he's going to go for, which is uh, the Broncos at Chiefs. Yeah, you know you you know I'm going to back here. Arrowhead on a Thursday night, big game, first wide receiver touchdown caught by Kansas City. I'm going for the Chiefs. Uh, Dave, I am actually going to go with the Chiefs as well. I don't like the look of the Broncos this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. I'm the same. I think Manning looks a bit anemic, so I think yeah, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. God damn it! Now we're gonna lose. Yeah, no, I think, <laughs> well, not the first thing, but I do think I agree with you guys. I just didn't like what I saw from the Broncos, and the Chiefs looked looked pretty good. Uh, so we've got a, a rake, a rake of a whole rake of Sunday Sunday games as usual. Uh, so I guess we'll just rattle through those. So firstly, then the Texans at the Panthers. What are you reckon? Uh, I think I'm gonna side with the Panthers on this one. Um, 
it's going to be I think it's going to be a close game, but uh I think the Texans just won't be able to get enough going on uh on offense. Now, obviously Keekley being questionable and stuff like that will affect it, but I'm I'm going to side with the Panthers gut feel. I agree with Connor. Um I think Cam Newton will have a big game. I think the Texans don't have any players other than JJ Watt. Yeah, I, I for me I think the Panthers as well, but provided the wider like the like Cam's receivers actually step up to the plate a bit, like the guy was throwing some great stuff this weekend and he just wasn't getting any help. So uh, I think if they can sort some of that stuff out, yeah, I think I think uh, Panthers take that. I, I'm actually I'm actually gonna disagree with you guys. I I would I think it's gonna be a close game, but I watched the Panthers game uh, against the Jags. And I did not like what I saw from a lot of the aspects of them. And I, I, I'm not willing to give up on the Texans yet. I think they have a lot of talent and skill positions. I think we're going to see DeAndre Hopkins go off in that game, particularly especially if Malik gets the start. I'd be worried mm. about that Panthers secondary in a big, big way. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be dependent entirely on how quickly they can get the ball out of their hands. Because whenever Watt and Clenny are on the field at the same time and pincering in, like they... they, they create quite a bit of rush so it's all just about getting the ball out of there quickly and I'm not I, I agree with you I'm not sure if that's entirely what Cam's offense is set up for doing right now but if they bring in a couple of screens a couple of flares and stuff like that they should I think they should be able to to, to best them. Uh, interesting one I, I, you know I guess we'll see we'll see who's right on the day there but I'm, I, I think people are after that display I think people might be a bit too quick to write off the Texans so on to, yeah. the, on, on to the next one then, uh, which is the San Francisco 49ers, who got, I suppose, a bit of an upset last night against the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I, look, what I can't reckon? see the Niners winning this game. Uh, I, th- I thought the Steelers looked very sharp the other night, and um, yeah, I just, I, so I'm going with Steelers. Dave, what do you reckon? Yeah. I think it's close, but I think the Steelers as well. Uh, let's see, I, Lev Bell is still out, isn't he? Yeah. As okay. is Bryant. Uh, so it, was, it, it depends entirely on whether or not the 49ers get anything going on offense. Like there's, I'm always I'm always torn because there's just such a ton of potential, but just it's very very rarely realized by them. Uh, yeah, I think I'm probably gonna have to side with the with the Steelers. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely a fair call. I mean, I think the Steelers actually look for all, for all things considered actually look quite good against us on Thursday. They probably possibly could have won that game, but for a few miscues, missed field goals. Uh, Hayward Bay's messed in the end zone. I, they're just a better team, top to bottom than the Niners, even without Levy on Bell. DeAndre Williams mm. is running well, so difficult to see a way into that one for the Niners. But that's what that's what people said about uh, about last night. So I guess we'll I guess we'll see. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't think there's going to be much controversy on this one. The, the Buccaneers at the Saints. How do we feel, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> nice easy one. Upset pick. Upset pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um, I think that's uh, speaking volumes. I would like to be a Bucks fan. Pardon? I would not like to be a Bucks fan next week, I don't think. Good God, like when a Browns fan feels sad for you, you know something's gone wrong <laughs> with your franchise. A Browns and a Liverpool fan. <laughs> oh God, Jesus. Sad, sad times in Tampa Bay there. Uh, so yeah, I'd say the Saints are going to, we'll probably agree the Saints are going to have a bit of a rob home on that one. Uh, next yeah, one's more yeah. uh, It's the Lions at the Vikings. Uh, how, how do you guys feel about that? I think it's the Lions, definitely. I, I don't think the Vikings are up to much from what I saw last night. The only the only thing that I can think of is that, like, if AP... Okay, so AP didn't have a good game last night. If it's just a warm, you know, a, war, a warming-up issue, you know, he might have a big game next week. He always has the potential to do that. But I just, yeah, I think the Lions are going to take that. If Matt Stafford can remember what Megatron looks like um, and, you know, actually start passing to him. I tend to agree with that. I think, yeah, like the Lions have all the all the potential to 
beat them sideways in this game, uh, not unlike Adrian Peterson and his child. But I do think that we're going to have AP coming home. This is his homecoming game. Uh, like, if I called it last week that he wanted to put down a marker, but like this is his homecoming game, getting to play in front of the crowds. They're going to instantly forget all the stuff he did and want to get behind him. Like, I'm going to go Vikings for an upset. And Dave, what do you recommend? Um, I think that... The Lions will win. I think their defense is very good. I think Bridgewater looked terrible this week. I think AP got like 20 yards maybe in total. I don't think the Vikings are up to that much. I think that's probably a fair assessment, definitely. I would, I would also pick the Lions. Um, I think what's going to be quite important in terms of Peterson is whether or not DeAndre Levy is back on the field next week. Yeah. Um, he's a very, very good uh, run stuff and pass cover. But yeah, Bridgewater didn't make didn't make uh, the Niners during the pass at all, and they were able to zero in on the on the rush run game. I can see the Lions. I can see it going the same way against the Lions, who actually have a very underrated secondary. So that's a tough matchup for for Bridgewater anyway. So moving on to the next one, then we've got the Cardinals at the Bears, and we have some disagreement about how good we think the Bears might be. So uh, what do you reckon, Dave, on that one? I think the Cardinals probably. Um, I, I I'm surprised, I was surprised by how good the Bears played. But I still think the Cardinals were excellent last year, and I really think they have a good team. So I, I don't know. I think I think they'll I think they'll do the Bears. Like they've got they've got question marks at running back uh, at the moment, but like their pass game was on form, and the whole going up to Chicago issue only really kicks in in November when it starts to get cold. I think they'll be fine to pass away, and I think the Cardinals will win it by two scores anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I, I can't see the Bears winning this game. Um, I think the Cardinals have kind of, I don't want to say they've picked up where they left off from, but like, I think, I think they look good and I think they're only going to get better. So yeah, I'm going Arizona. Yeah, I, I think the Cardinals are, are a pretty solid pick there. They're, they've looked, they've looked fantastic uh, or in the first game. I think obviously last year before Palmer went down, had everything going from. So yeah, the Bears are, are probably going to be overmatched there. And so moving on, we've got the, <laughs> a game I'm quite, actually quite scared about, which is the Patriots at the Bills. I'm not actually looking forward to that game because we historically played quite badly against Rex Bryan teams on the road. And we've also had recent struggles on the road in Orchard Park. I think we'll win that game, but I think it's going to be very, very close. What do you guys reckon? Uh, for, for me, it, 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 it's just it's going to be such an interesting game. But like, like it's one thing for the Bills to go out and do what they did this week. It's another thing to go out and like beat the reigning Super Bowl champions. If they do do that, you'd have to fancy them to go on and do some stuff this season. Um, but that's a lot of pressure on Rex Ryan. You know, you know, he's new in the team. He's new. So I, I'm going to go with the Pats. I think they'll probably just shade it, but it'll be very close. I'm very tempted to take the Bills in this one, but I think the fact that the Patriots played their game on Thursday and had an extra couple of days to game plan were able to react immediately to what they saw from the Bills and just basically have that extra bit of rest. It's going to be a physical game, but I think the Patriots will just about edge it. That said, I think it'll be tight, maybe field goal tight. I'm going to go a bit out there, and I'm going to say I think the Bills are going to win, and I also don't think it's going to be close. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah, I just think that I think that the secondary that the, the pass have this year is not that good. I think I, what I've seen of Tyrod Taylor, I think he can actually his dual threat stuff means he can actually exploit that. I think because you're not going to have to have guys push up a bit, which means there's going to be space in the backfield to be beaten over the top with like with defensive backs that aren't that good. And I think the Bills' defense is going to do nasty, nasty things to your O line. 
probably fair. Our O-line, our O-line is in the shambles. I think we do have enough skill to win those matchups against the Bills secondary, but yeah, like I said about Taylor, I do remember struggling quite a bit to contain Cam Newton last season. Obviously, Newton's a better player than Taylor, but that, that dual threat thing has caused problems for what, I suppose, we don't have the fastest D-line in the world or the fastest linebackers, so that could that could certainly be an issue. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely definitely worried about that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Dave is wrong there. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so then uh, the next game then will be the Chargers at the Bengals. You know, uh, two teams coming off coming off pretty good wins. Uh, Ian, what do you make of that one? Uh, I, look, I'm going to go, just because of my, like, love for Danny Woodhead, <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> with the Chargers. I, I didn't see a whole lot of the Chargers game, but, like, Woodhead went off. And, like, uh, yeah, I think the Chargers are going to be a real threat this season. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Um, I'm going Chargers too. Chargers and uh, Keenan Allen's going to have 160 yards and two touchdowns. Oh, um, I think it's going to be pretty close. I think they're both kind of like very decent teams with nothing particularly special about them. But because I want the Bengals to win, I'm or to lose, <laughs> I want the Bengals to lose. I'm going to go with the Chargers as well. Yeah, that's I, I, I'd be inclined to agree. I think the Chargers showed coming back from where they did against the Lions, just showed incredible toughness and incredible ability to adapt in that game. Uh, whereas the Bengals just ran over Matt McLoyne, basically, which doesn't tell us that much about the team. But yeah, I think I, I do like the Chargers this year. I think with, with as Ian was saying, I think with Woodhead and uh, uh, is it uh, the, the rookie whose name I've forgotten uh, in that backfield. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're dangerous. Stevie Johnson also looks nice across from Keenan Allen. Uh, here's one I'm going to go to Dave first. The Titans and Mariota coming off their huge win at the Browns. I think the Browns are going to do some damage next week. I think he'll probably win by not much. Maybe like win by a field goal, probably a last-minute field goal. Like we seem to win a lot lately by that. But I think that I think that we made a lot of mistakes this week that we won't repeat next week. And I also don't think the Titans are actually that good. Yeah, for me, like the Browns have the benefit, and this is such bullshit cliche talk, right? But like the Browns have an identity that they're struggling with the titans like what are the titans like who like who i don't know they're just so i I think the browns are going to win i think they're going to benefit from a tough game against the jets this week and i think they're going to i think they're going to win that it might be just a case of just shading it but i think the browns are going to are going to win i'm going with uh titans here young upstart shows them what it looks like to draft a real quarterback done Uh, i i I agree with connor i i just don't think the Browns have the running game or the receivers to make things happen at the moment. I think if the Titans can play another efficient game like they did against the Bucs, I don't think they're going to run away with it or blow them out like they did. But I, I just don't see, I don't know how the Browns have enough to take control of a game in the run game and the, and the receivers. I, I think either way, like Mariotta Manziel, that's going to be really entertaining. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think it could be very close, all right, to be fair. Yeah, and I think it'll, it'll definitely be an entertaining game, if nothing else. Uh, it's always entertaining when the Browns play, because God knows what they're going to do. Uh, so, <laughs> I suppose two teams that were actually involved in quite entertaining games, one that won, one that, one that, won, one that lost. Uh, one that sh- the one that won should have lost, and the one that lost should have won. But uh, the Falcons at the Giants, what do you make of that, Connor? Falcons at the Giants. This is going to be a very, very entertaining game to watch. Both of them have very good offenses and quite mediocre to poor defenses. I've just got this feeling, I, I had it watching the Falcons game this week, and I had it any other time I really watch a Falcons game. They start really well, and then you just expect them to slow down and just let it drop in the second half. I think the Giants 
take it. Uh, I think the Falcons probably lead going into the half, and then the Giants take it up a notch in the second half and end up winning the game at home. And uh, uh, do you have anything to add to that, Dave? I, I don't. I, I can't really call this one. I, I probably think the Giants will win. I think they probably just have like better. I don't know. I, I can't call this one. I think there are two teams that have some good players in some good positions that are ruined by gross incompetence at the coaching level and the fact that neither of them can defend. So I don't know. I'll, it will, we'll see. I think I think Matt Smith, uh, Matt Ryan, even Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than Eli. That might be controversial, but I think no, that, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think Matt, Matt Smith, Doctor Who at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think personally, if the Giants win, it'll be very narrow. The Giants are so close to crisis mode already this season after one game. Like they're already trying. Like Coughlin is blaming Manning. Manning is blaming you know, and and I just think that like a loss, they, they it's they're just on they're teetering on the brink of a full blown crisis. And if they lose to the Falcons at home, I genuinely think that crisis will be enacted. It will just come to the fore. So I think the Falcons have more, I think, sorry, I think the Giants have more to lose. I'm going to go with the Falcons. I'm, uh, I'm actually just going to put one proviso on my own as well. It does depend entirely on at what point Tom Coughlin decides to tell his players to not score points anymore. <laughs> like, like, that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard at the end of the game last week. He instructed his running back not to score so they could Ridiculous. beat the clock instead. So, yeah. yeah, so provided that Tom Coughlin doesn't do that again, then the Giants. If he starts doing that, then, of course, the Falcons. Sorry, that that's what I meant, by the way, in terms like they're, they're like, they're, as of this morning, like, trying to figure out whose fault that was. Like, the running backs mm. are like, well, Eli told us to do that, and Coughlin's like, well, I didn't tell him, you know, and all. It's just, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a clusterfuck, and, like... Oh, it is. Um... Like Manning is a big personality and has a lot of sway with that team. I I, I think Coughlin might be in trouble. Um, well, yeah, they just signed Manning to another four-year extension, so yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a rough spot for both teams. I think this is definitely going to be the funniest game of the week. <laughs> I just, I, man, like both teams are are so all over the shop. Um, I. I think that a game that's going to be this funny and it's going to be this sloppy, and I think it's going to be as sloppy as the Giants-Cowboys, and I think we're going to see the Falcons struggle like they did against the Eagles. I think a game this hilarious can only have one justifiable outcome, and that's that it's going to be a tie. Yes. Because I just think that I just think that fits the level of incompetence we are going to witness in uh, in this one. Although, brave, uh, move, brave move, Harry. But yeah, look, I think somebody's got to tie this season. I think if it's going to be anyone, I think it's going to be these two teams. Uh, I don't <laughs> think either of them have a, a, any great will to win at this point uh, already <laughs> so in the next game uh, the last of the the last of the early games on Sunday I suppose speaking of incompetence there's some relevance because it's the Rams at the Washington Racists uh, Connor what do you make of that? Oh Jesus Rams all the way they're going to batter seven shades out of them I hope they've got some extra backup quarterbacks because they might not have any left on the roster after this game Yeah I, I was just about to say if Kirk Cousins doesn't have at least one broken bone by the end of this game I will be very surprised um, I think the Rams are going to absolutely go through them. I 100% agree with both Connor and Ian. I, I agree the Rams are going to win. If there's one thing I've learned about the Rams from watching football, it is that they are the most unique capacity to make simple games difficult for themselves. I think they're going to win, but I think it's going to be closer than what we expect. They're a horrifically inconsistent football team, so I do feel that they will go in and they will make this hard for themselves, but I can't see the Redskins winning against that against that pass rush, against that front seven, and yeah, uh, yeah Kirk Cousins is going to get hurt. So we're saying RG3 is currently third string there. Who's second string? 
Oh, it's someone. Um, is it Matt Flynn or someone? It's Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy, oh. okay. So so are we saying by the end of the third quarter we're going to see RG3 playing for the Redskins again then? <laughs> That's, if it's they, entirely if they, possible. If they, man, if they put him in the 53-man squad this time, if they don't, it'll be hilarious. Yeah. They're under centre. Like. Oh, God, it'll be great. I wonder what wide receiver can throw the best ball there. That will be yeah, that will definitely be interesting to interesting to see how far these all that goes for uh, for the Redskins. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson will have to like hobble off the bench to fucking throw a pass in the third quarter or something like it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, it is looking that way. Then on, on to the next one then, uh, which is the Dolphins at the Jaguars. Um, Ian, what do you make of that? Uh, Dolphins at the Jags. I think that is going to be a very, very poor game. <laughs> I will probably go with the Dolphins just because I think they have a little bit more about them, uh, like on paper. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. I'm hearing a lot of talk about the Jags actually, you know, not being bottom of that division this year. I'm not so sure. Um, we'll see. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Dolphins. That's my initial, my initial feeling. Dave, what do you make of this? Um, I think Dolphins, I think it'll probably be close, but like I still think the Jags are just about incompetent enough that they'll let the Finns win. Fair enough. I reckon that the uh, that the Dolphins start getting their defense firing a bit stronger now and start causing a lot of problems to those Jags QBs. I think the Dolphins will win it and they'll look a little bit more like the Dolphins we were expecting from the preseason. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be inclined to read you guys. I think the Jags have failed to move the ball against the Panthers, who don't have a great defense, particularly after Keekley went off injured. So, yeah, it's hard to see past the Dolphins on that one. The Jags are not good. Um, also, speaking of, so speaking of teams that look not good, uh, we've got the Ravens at the Raiders as the next game. And uh, throw this one over to Dave. Oh, I think the, the Ravens, like, I think how the Raiders not gotten injuries had the Raiders looked a bit better in the first game it might be close but I think the Ravens probably the strongest team in the AFC North currently probably will do a job on them I would think yeah I gotta agree with that that's basically it the Raiders like Matt McLoyan thrown against that defense no uh Ravens to win by a by a comfortable margin yeah I I, I'm definitely in agreement uh from a fantasy perspective, uh, I also I'm hoping that Forsett has a big game. I think it could be a good opportunity for him to kind of, I guess, establish himself uh, properly. And oh, isn't, yes. that, isn't that isn't that the sneaky fantasy one? I pick up the Raiders tight end who will cheerfully high step his way into the end zone for two touchdowns <laughs> when they're down by forty points. Like it is hard to see past the Ravens this one. From my own fantasy perspective, having somehow managed to draft the entire Oakland Raiders in multiple leagues, uh, it's not looking good at this point. Yeah, Matt McGloin is just not happening against that defense, as we said. It's it's gonna be I think it's gonna be ugly. I think it's gonna be as ugly as the Cincinnati game, if not uglier. So uh yeah, so the next game, uh divisional game in the NFC East, the Cowboys at the Eagles. Go to our resident Eagles fan, uh, Ian, see what he makes of that. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a really interesting game. Uh, like um the Cowboys completely torched us last season in the at the link, so um We'll see. I, I personally think that one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to shoot out to an early lead um, and let it slip away, uh, leaving a photo finish, or else uh, the Cowboys are going to torch us in the first half. Cole Beasley is going to destroy Byron Maxwell, uh, and then we might be able to take it back in the second. I think I'm going to give it to us just by a nose. I think it's going to be very close, and it's going to be a comeback either way. Okay, nice and nice and uh, decisive there for me. And uh, Connor, what do you what do you think in terms of that? 
I'm similar enough. Uh, I think it depends entirely on whether or not the Eagles can get stuff going in the first half. They of late been kind of a get it going a bit later on and then start to perform like they did uh, uh, last night. But um, the the difference between this is I don't see the Cowboys being the kind of team that will take their take the foot off the pe- off the gas at all. So like if the Cowboys start getting up, they're going to keep scoring the whole time. I'm thinking of the the Cowboys Denver game back uh, was it last season the the, the game that had 90 something points scored in it like I could see this being an incredibly high scoring game it's just it's consistency from the Eagles that I'm worried about so I'm going to side with the Cowboys yeah I think I'd go with the Cowboys as well um I don't know I, I yeah I agree with I just agree with Connor I think that the Cowboys probably would just I think they're more balanced I think they I think I think the Cowboys are more balanced at the moment I think they perform more consistently through the game I think that the the way the no huddle thing that the ship is doing works, it seems to work at NFL level. It doesn't seem to be that consistent, and I think the Cowboys will just grind it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be difficult here. I think, I think the Eagles are going to edge it. Um, I think the Cowboys looked out of sorts last week. I think the Eagles did too. But without Des Bryant coming into the link, Eagles are going to be very fired up for this one, and I think they're going to have learned from the poor decisions they made. Like, the Eagles lost, I think, because of poor decisions, and I think that could be fixed, whereas I think the Cowboys lost because of just some bizarre overplaying. And without Des Bryant, I think there's more incentive for guys like Colby and Terrence Williams to try too hard and get them in trouble. And I think it's going to be easier, you know, for Byron Maxwell or whoever to cover to cover uh, Beasley or Williams than it is to cover Julio Jones. So I'm going with the Eagles on this one. Yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll see. Bit, 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 got to get a bit of controversy in there somewhere. Uh, so <laughs> then the final the final Sunday night game, which is it's being billed by the uh, the NFL as the rematch, which is bizarre because these teams actually play each other quite regularly. Uh, the Seahawks at the Packers. Seahawks fall to zero and two. Packers looked tight, looked quite good. While they weren't firing on all cylinders, they looked quite powerful offensively. They're at home. Seahawks looked a bit dicey, still trying to transition to their we can't just ground a pound because we don't have the same line we had beforehand. Still missing Cam Chancellor on defense. Like I just don't see them being able to pull it off on like a primetime game uh, in Lambeau Field. So I'm going to go with the Packers. Yeah, you know, I think the Pack take it. I think that they... Um, I agree with Connor. I think that the, the Seahawks have looked very diminished this year. I think the Packers have looked strong... And I think that they'll 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 take it. Yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement on that one. I think that's going to be pretty pretty straightforward, uh, pretty straightforward win for the pack. So then the final game of the week, uh, interesting one for Indianapolis, another AFC East opponent with a strong defense. They'll be hosting the Jets on Monday night. Um, so go back to Dave there. What do you what do you think? How do you think this one will play out? I'm actually going to say the Jets. I think the Jets are going to win against the Colts. Um, I think the Colts have a mediocre receiving core this year. I'm not too mad about them. I think the Jets will do them a job on defense. Okay, and uh, Connor, do you do you agree with that, or it's a bit of a big call there? No, no, I agree with that entirely. I think the Jets are set up to do a similar job to what the Bills did to the Colts. They've got the aggressive front seven. They've got a decent secondary going there. They're going to be able to bring the same kind of pressure and basically force Andrew Luck to make the kind of throws he did the last time. I do question whether or not they can deliver uh, on offense. I never thought I'd be saying Tyrod Taylor is uh, is a step up, but I think he is uh, to what the Jets can bring. But I think they'll they'll have enough defense there to, to, to shut down the Colts and then they'll be able to grind out it. Like, even just Chris Ivory looked great last week, which is a surprise because it was Chris Ivory. But yeah, I'm going with the Jets as well. 
Uh, yeah, I think the Jets might actually take this. Um, I think Fitzpatrick actually looked all right. So, um, and Chris Ivory, and that may just be the Browns flattering them, but like I thought Chris Ivory looked uh, fierce. So I'm going to go with the Jets. Yeah, I, I actually, I actually, I, I didn't think I said this a week ago, but I agree with you guys. And I think there's two things here. I think, yeah, that defensive secondary and front seven combination is going to give the Colts fits like it did against the Bills. And I also think you're dead right. Chris Ivory, you've got a like reasonably okay power back. Look at what Legarrette Blunt has done to the Colts over the last few years. And he's not that good either. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. the Jets, unless they find a way to continue to be the Jets, uh, they, they, this is theirs to lose. Okay, so that that's our uh, review preview. Sorry of the of next week's games. Yeah, just enough time to say thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. It was our first one, so probably some mistakes. And uh, here's hoping that you can only get better from here. Thanks very much. Uh, goodbye.